You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I've got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness. There are mountains ahead that I can't move by myself. But I know when I'm weak, he's strong. When I can barely breathe, there's still a song. Even though it's hard right now, I'm not here on my own. So when it seems it can't be done, I know God is big enough. I can run the race I'm called to run, because I know God is big enough. You'll finish everything he starts. You'll meet us right here where we are. And I can feel faith rising up, because I know God is big enough. There are days when the shadows of doubt make me feel small. I declare that I don't stand in my strength at all. Because I won't live a day you didn't plan. Every single moment is in your hands. Even if the whole world shakes, you're the rock under which I stand. So when it seems it can't be done, I know God is big enough. I can run the race I'm called to run, because I know God is big enough. He'll finish everything he starts. He'll meet us right here where we are. And I can feel faith rising up, because I know God is big enough. Bigger than the fear that surrounds me, bigger than the chains that abound me, Bigger than the story my past can tell. Bigger than the weight of tomorrow. Bigger than the hurt and the sorrow. Bigger than the lies I've told myself. So when it seems it can't be done, I know God is big enough. I can run the race I'm called to run. Because I know God is big enough. He'll finish everything he starts. He'll meet us right here where we are. And I can feel faith rising up. So when it seems it can't be done, I know God is big enough. I can run the race I'm called to run. Because I know God is big enough. He'll finish everything he starts. He'll meet us right here where we are. And I can feel faith rising up. Because I know God is big enough. Yeah, I know God is big enough. Amen. 
All right, we'll be dismissed to junior church. Ages 10 and under are welcome to go back to junior church. It's not required, but boy, they do a good job back there. Uh, Matthew 27 this morning is where we're going to take our text. Matthew chapter number 27. And there's a familiar story maybe to some of you, but there's a name that you don't hear as much around the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's a man that sure does represent a very, very important truth today. And uh, the man is a, name, a man by the name of Barabbas. Um, if you look in Matthew chapter 27, and to start with, I just want to read verse number 16. Matthew 27, 16, the Bible says, A notable prisoner called Barabbas. Barabbas. Now, Something we learn about Barabbas, uh, Barabbas is mentioned in all four Gospels. Uh, and so I'll refer to some of the other Gospels if you want to mark down the references. But in Mark 15, verse 7, the Bible says, And there was one named Barabbas, and it is up on the screen as well. There was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. All right, so I want you to imagine on the day that Jesus Christ is standing before Pilate, a story that most of us are pretty familiar with, being falsely accused of insurrection himself. He was accused of trying to make himself a king over Caesar, so he too was actually being accused of a form of rebellion and insurrection. At least that was the, the false accusations against Christ. But he was standing there before Pilate, and... In a prison cell nearby was a man by the name of Barabbas, the convict. Having passed his, what was presumed to be the last night that he would be alive, he passed no doubt a sleepless night in a cold, dark prison cell in chains. No rest, no sleep, all he could think about is on, the, on this day, on this day. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and knowing this was the day that you're going to be brought out of that prison cell and you're going to be nailed to a cross to die? That's what Barabbas had to look forward to. Now, the Bible's very clear that this man Barabbas was guilty. The Bible says he was guilty of insurrection. He was a rebel. He was standing up, fighting against uh, the, the Roman government and, and, and occupation. But the Bible says he was also a murderer. So this man was guilty. He had, he had sinned. He had done something worthy of death. He was, a he was deserving of the penalty and the condemnation that he faced. The Bible says he was a rebel. He was somebody that was going against the authority that was in the world that he was in. This man was a hopeless man. There was no hope for this guy. Uh, he was helpless. He had been a part of an insurrection, but I'm telling you, he had no hope of somebody coming and breaking him out. He was in trouble. He had no hope. He had no help on the way. He faced a certain and agonizing death. So here he is in his prison cell, and if you can just imagine, as he begins to hear, perhaps he was within earshot, and he could hear a crowd of people gathered. 
And he heard a a crowd of people crying out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he doesn't know exactly what's going on, but maybe he thinks that, wow, these people are really stirred up. These people are really wanting to see some people die today. And before long, he could hear the Roman guard coming down the corridor to unlock his jail cell. And when Barabbas maybe thinks to himself, I wonder if I can make one last ditch effort to to escape, to fight it off. But then he surrenders and realizes there's no chance. There's no hope. There's many guards. They're more powerful than I am. And there he is thinking to himself, it is time for me to go be crucified. But instead of being crucified, the guard says, let me see your chains, let me see your shackles. And he begins to unlock the chains off of this man. And in shock, Barabbas says, what's going on? And as as the Roman guards continue to escort him, it says, okay, you can go free. He's got to be thinking, is this some kind of cruel trick? Because if you know anything about the Romans during this time, they specialized in, they literally concentrated on how, how cruel can they be? What's the cruelest thing they can do? It may have crossed his mind, they're messing with me. They're, they're going to say that I'm going free and then they're going to send the dogs after me or something and chase me down and then drag me to be crucified. But no, there was no strings attached. He was set free. He was released. He was pardoned. And if at some point he was to look at one of the Roman soldiers and says, why am I going free? What's going on here? Now, if I was him, I probably wouldn't be asking too many questions. I'd be like, okay, you know, I'll I'll go. But if he were to ask the question, what's going on? Why am I free? Why can I go? Why am I being released? Perhaps one of those guards would say to him, a man by the name of Jesus, it went to the cross instead of you. A man by the name of Jesus was chosen to go to the cross in your place. That was the message to Barabbas because that's exactly what happened. We know there was three crosses that day that the Bible mentions specifically. There was a thief on either side. Many historians believe that the two being crucified on either side were associates of Barabbas. But regardless, that middle cross was meant for Barabbas. That was his cross as far as the Roman government was concerned, as far as Barabbas was concerned. But we see what happened in Matthew 27, verse number 17. The Bible says, Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? So we see the conspiracy. We see behind the scenes of what happened. Barabbas or Jesus, which is called the Christ. So, and if you read before that, you'll see that he had a custom to release somebody on this day. But in verse 18, the Bible says, For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And in verse 20, the Bible says, But the chief priest and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. I just got to throw in here a very interesting note. If you think about the nation of Israel, the kind of leader they wanted, Barabbas actually fit the bill a little bit better than Jesus did. At least he was willing to stand up and fight the Roman government. He was willing to stand, that's what they wanted Jesus to do. At least he was willing to try to give us our power back. 
So it may have not been very hard to persuade these people, who do you want? This guy that's going around healing people and, and, and whatever, but he, he's not fighting the Roman government. Or do you want this guy that's, it may not have been that hard to persuade him. But regardless, the chief priests, those religious leaders, persuaded Pilate, or, or persuaded the people around them that they would together cry out, crucify him. Verse 21, the Bible says, The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. They said, Barabbas. And then in verse 22, And Pilate said unto them, What shall be done then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. And then there in verse number 26, if you'll just drop down with me, the Bible says, Then released he Barabbas. So Jesus is going to die. Barabbas is going to be released. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. In, verse, in Luke 23, verse 25, it'll be up on the screen here, I believe, Luke 23, 25. And he released unto them, unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. So this one man about to be crucified thinking his life is certainly over, by that evening, he is home with his family. By that evening, he is safe, he is sound, he is pardoned. Jesus died in his place as his substitute, as his representative. See, somewhat, somebody was going to go to the cross that day. Barabbas the guilty one was the one who should have probably gone to the cross that day. But Jesus was there to take his place. Now, I understand that there's political ramifications, but what this does is it presents to us a beautiful picture of the substitutionary nature of what Jesus did. And, and that's, that, that's the message that we see here, the connection. What does this story have to do with you today and if you're listening to me this story has a great deal to do with you and with me see we can clearly if we look and we, we shouldn't have to look too hard to clearly see ourselves in this man Barabbas he was destined for death but he found freedom and life through the death of another Barabbas was guilty. Did you know today that the Bible says that you and I are guilty? The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, But for, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. Every one of us were born into this world as sinners. Every one of us. We were born into sinners because basically of our parents' sin, if you will, going all the way back to Adam. We were born that way. We were born sinners. But soon enough, we, we passed from not only being sinners by birth, but we became sinners by choice. And that's when we begin to knowingly, uh, our sin began to manifest itself. And we begin to knowingly rebel against God. And really it started with rebelling against authority. 
There is not one among us today who has not sinned. And the Bible says that sin brings death, sin brings condemnation, and that means that every one of us have broken the holy law of God Almighty. The holy God who, in other words, is separate from sin and cannot allow sin to come even into His very presence in the sense of dwelling eternally with Him. The Bible says this in John 3, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now, listen to me closely. Just like this man, Barabbas, was sitting in that prison, I'm telling you at some point in our lives, every one of us are sitting in a prison of some sort. We're in chains of some kind. For some people it may be chains of religion. For some people it may be chains of addiction. Whatever it may be, but we're in these chains. And I'm telling you something, we're condemned. We're separated from God, and because of our sins, you're guilty. And I'm guilty. And let me tell you something about that. That's not the message that a lot of people want to hear, is it? But the Bible says we are guilty before a holy God. So just like Barabbas sitting in that cell that morning, he's out of options. There's nothing he can do. He's done the rebelling that he can do. Maybe there's been other times that his friends come to his aid, but I'm telling you, they weren't coming to his aid this time. There was no help for this man. This man was absolutely hopeless and helpless unless God Almighty intervenes. And I'm telling you, that's exactly where mankind sits today. Condemned before a thrice holy God. Guilty before a thrice holy God. But due to no influence of our own, Jesus was chosen to die in our place. That's the gospel, amen? Due to no, listen, because Barabbas wasn't in there lobbying and saying, hey, can you ask him to crucify Jesus instead? No. He, it was due to no will of his own. There was no volition on his part to have Jesus crucified. Someone else decided that. And I want you to know something. The bad news is that we are all sinners. The bad news is we are all guilty. And the bad news is we are all therefore condemned. Condemned. Condemned to a life separated from God. Condemned to an eternity separated from God in a place called hell and ultimately the lake of fire. But God had a plan. Amen. God wanted to go and take your place on the cross. Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, I know in a very physical way as we tell this story, Jesus took Barabbas' place on the cross. But I want every one of you to know today, and I hope you can remember this every time you ever look at the cross, to know that Jesus went to your cross. That Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. And that's the message, isn't it? As you think about this. He, Jesus Christ, the innocent one, bore the punishment that we are rightly deserved. 
Barabbas deserved the death penalty for murder. That's what the law says. He deserved it. But the innocent one took the punishment of the guilty. And much like Barabbas, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself on this one, but hallelujah, you and I are able to be set free because somebody else went in our place. Uh, In in, in theological terms, we call it the, the, the vicarious death of Christ. The vicariousness, the fact that He went in our place. He went as our substitute. Pilate releases Barabbas, and he delivers over to death Jesus. We have a picture of our own release that's been affected by the cross through faith. In Barabbas, we have a glimpse of our guilt deserving death and a preview of the arresting grace of Jesus and His embrace of the cross through which we are set free. Folks, Jesus went to the cross of His own volition. Now, I understand that, you know, there was other things leading to it, but ultimately, this was the plan of the Lord Jesus Christ before you were ever born. Before there was ever a person, before there was sin, God knew there was going to be sin. And so God said, I want you to be saved. Think about that. I want Evan to be saved so much that I'm going to go to the cross. Evan's going to to be born a sinner. He's going to choose to sin. That sin's going to separate him from me. That sin's going to condemn him. But that's not good enough for me. So God says, I'm going to go. Jesus said, I'm going to the cross and I'm carrying his sin on me. I'm going to pay the penalty. I'm going to take an eternity worth of hell on me for Evan, for Layla. Talked about that the other night, didn't we? I'm going to take it all on me. And and I just got to say, I I don't want to embarrass them, but Ava and Layla both, you know what they did the other night? They said, you know what? Jesus took my place. I want to receive him as my Savior. Amen. Sure enough, on Friday night, I believe that was. How wonderful is that? But that's, that, that, that's the matter. Why? Because Jesus said, no. You are condemned. You are guilty. And you are deserving of death and hell. But I love you too much. Amen? I love you. I care about you. Therefore, I'm going to go to the cross for you. So Pilate releases Barabbas and Jesus dies. Jesus embraced the cross. Jesus is delivered to death. How about this? Think about it. Barabbas is released to a brand new life. Amen? I don't know if we got it in the hymn or not, man, but I love that old song, I Just Started Living. Amen? I don't think it's in the hymn, but but I just started living. Man, he just started a brand new life. He was as good as dead. But now he's got a brand new life. Oh, my goodness. How, how, How wonderful is that? The guilty delivered. Jesus was the substitute. The innocent Jesus condemned as a sinner while the sinner is released as if he is innocent. Barabbas and Jesus changed places, so I'm just going to belabor this for a moment. The murderer's bonds, the murderer's bonds, curse, disgrace, mortal agony were all transferred to the righteous Jesus. Think about that, okay? The bonds, curse, disgrace, agony transferred to the righteous jesus while the liberty innocence safety 
and well-being of the Immaculate Nazarene became the lot of the murderer. Jesus took all of what Barabbas deserved. Barabbas took all of what Jesus deserved. Barabbas is installed all the rights and privileges of Jesus Christ while Jesus Christ enters in upon the infamy and horror of the rebel's position. Both mutually inherit each other's situation and what they possess. The delinquent's guilt and cross became the lot of the just one. And all the civil rights and immunities of Jesus became the property of the delinquent. The Bible puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him, again this was a choice made by God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Amen. I'm going to make Jesus to bear your sin, all of it, every one of your sins. Hey, children of God, may we not mistake what the Bible teaches about grace. We live in a day where the Bible, the Bible actually said that in the last days that there would be people who would turn the grace of God unto lasciviousness which is to say that people would say, oh, we have grace, so man, we can just sin it up and, and celebrate sin and it's all good. No, that's not the message of grace. The message of grace is grace will deliver you from your sin. Jesus didn't set Barabbas free and said, okay, Barabbas, go kill a few more, buddy. God's grace be with you. No, this was a chance for, an, for a brand new life. We've got to be reminded of the awfulness of sin. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The guilty gets to go free. But we get to be made righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. The sinner released to new life, while the debt that we deserve is paid by Jesus. The Bible says it this way in a few different ways. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What a message. There is now therefore no condemnation. Are you in Christ? Then you can forget about condemnation. You say, oh, I don't know, preacher. Uh, you know, I, I'm still not that great of a person sometimes, and I still uh, sin and come short of the glory of God sometimes. Are you in Christ? Then there's no condemnation. Amen. It's not about what you do, it's about what He's already done. There's no condemnation in Christ. I know some people have a, have a hard time, and I sympathize with people who doubt and struggle with, man, am I really, am I really safe, or, or, or is there condemnation waiting down the road for me? Because for a lot of us, we understand, just like Barabbas, wouldn't it be real easy for Barabbas to be saying, I know they said I'm innocent. But them declaring me innocent and pardoned don't change the fact that I killed that dude. Right? See, because that, that, and that can be our struggle. God declares us righteous. God declares us justified. He declares us holy. But we're still saying, yeah, but that don't really change uh, who I am and what I've done. Well, it does in your standing. Amen? You're standing before God. It reminds me of Joseph's brothers. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, I love the story of Joseph in, in the book of Genesis, uh, one of my favorite stories ever. And uh, one of the things, uh, but there's, it's got kind of a sad ending that ends up turning happy again. 
But if you remember, Joseph represents Jesus later on in his life or in much of his life, and he pardons his brothers for selling him to slavery and so forth. He pardons them. And he says, you know what? Don't worry about it. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It's all good. Man, I pardon you. I love you. It's all good. And everything went on for like, I don't know, a couple of decades maybe. And I can't remember the exact number of years. But then all of a sudden, their dad died. Jacob died. And when Jacob died, his brothers started reminding themselves, wait a second. I know Joseph said he forgave us. I know he said that we're set straight. But none of that changes the fact that we're responsible for what we did for him. So they come back to him and they said, hey, our dad said, and I'm pretty sure they're lying. You know what dad said, don't you? Dad said, don't punish us for what we did back then. I need you. Will you forgive me? Don't condemn me. And Joseph, with a broken heart, just, you know what he did? He just gave him the word of God again. He just gave him the same words again. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. In other words, what we need to do when you start doubting your salvation, when you start doubting whether or not you've been forgiven, you need to go back and say, you know what? Go back to the Word of God. What did He tell you in the first place? If you've put your faith and trust in Christ, He forgave you. There is no condemnation. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, For Christ also hath suffered, hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. But he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Isaiah 53, verse 5. The Bible says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He lived the life that we could never live. He paid a debt that we could never afford, and He rose to the newness of life that we were powerless to do on our own. When you hear a message like this, you may be sitting there as a child of God, as a seasoned Christian, as a student of God's Word, saying, and I hope not, but I've known people to say, Preacher, I know that. I know everything you're saying. You know, those are the ABCs to me, but please don't miss the message, the message, it's not just a message for those who may not have put their faith and trust in Christ yet and accepted His pardon yet. It's also a message to you and I. It's a message to us in a couple of ways. Again, in Romans chapter number 8, I didn't share this verse with the guys, but again in Romans chapter number 8, the Bible says, He that spared not his own son, how shall he not freely with him to give us all things? A little paraphrase there. But you, you and I as God's people, we need to be reminded of something. Anytime you start doubting God's love for you, how much God cares about you, just look back to the cross. There are so many of us in here today that believe that Jesus Christ was willing to do this for us. We believe it. We rejoice in it. We sing about it. We might even cry about it. We get so emotionally stirred. But then we live our lives in doubt. Is God going to provide for my needs? Does he care about this lonely valley that I'm walking through right now? Does he care about my pain? Does he care? This message answers that question. Yes. If he was willing to do this for you, you better believe he cares about, the Bible says the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's a message that we find in the cross. You know another message we find in the cross? 
We find the message of the cross that through his substitution, I just read it really, so not only did he give us his life and his forgiveness, he gave us his righteousness, he also gives us his power. You know, I, 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 I don't even think I got around to mention this to Layla and Ava on Friday. But I love the passage in John chapter number 1 where the Bible says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Power. Ephesians 1 talks about power. Ephesians 1 tells us that it's resurrection power. Folks, it's because of the cross he did this for us so that we might be able to live a life of victory. Man, I'm telling you, child of God, if you can't rejoice, I, don't, I can't always rejoice over the circumstances of life. You know that? I certainly can't rejoice over how good I am. I, I can't do that. But you know something? I love what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians, chapter number 6. He said, God forbid that I should glory. And in that glory right there, he means boast. God forbid that I should be going around boasting. He said, except, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I into the world. In other words, you know what he said? Man, I'm just going to go around bragging on what Jesus did for me. I'm going to go around and I can have joy. And somebody can say, wow, preacher, you seem, you seem to be happy today. Everything must be good. Oh, no, not everything's good. But I want to tell you that there was a day that I was in the prison of sin. There was a day I was locked up and condemned and guilty, just waiting for death. But hallelujah, I found out that Jesus took my place. And I went from being on the verge of hell, I went from being on the verge of continuing my life in the darkness of this prison to all of a sudden having a brand new life, being saved, being forgiven, knowing Christ. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Does it ever occur to you how much God loves you? Does it, has it ever occurred to you how awesome it is to be forgiven? Jesus went there for you and for me. And that's why, as a child of God, man, we can just say something like, Woo! Hallelujah! There was a brief few seconds in the Duke-Carolina game last night where I thought we might have a chance. And in that brief little moment, about three seconds worth, uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, Brady Manic. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Woo! Excited, man. And uh, we still hold the best, better record. We got more championships, just so you know. I ain't ashamed. Um, I'm good. Uh, but listen, uh, I, I got excited about that little brief. But I'm telling you, man, you know what can, I can get a lot more excited about? Being saved by the grace of God. And you should too. Think about that, man. You were on your way to, you were condemned. You had no hope. You had no help. Man, God's good. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is every once in a while, some of us ought to just sit up. Woo! Let's go! Hallelujah! I'm a winner! I'm on the winning side. He loves me. He cares about me. Hallelujah. Listen, so you think about that. Where we were when Jesus came to where we were. Man, he came to our death row and went to our death for us and let us go free. Now, I'm going to close with this thought. 
Barabbas at some point knew that Jesus died in his place. But here's, here's a sad possibility. We don't read again about Barabbas. History doesn't have much to say about Barabbas after this. So there's a very real possibility that Barabbas, like so many other people, they learn about what I'm telling you. They learn the truth. And maybe even they believe. And they say, hey, and I look at you and I say, guess what? Jesus went to the cross in your place. He suffered your death. He suffered your condemnation. He took all of your hell upon himself. He died there and he rose again the third day. And, 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 but way too many people like Barabbas say, well, that's nice. That's great. But we don't have a record of Barabbas bowing his heart and his head before Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, I thank you that not only did you physically take my place, but you spiritually took my place. And Lord Jesus, I don't want to just say, wow, I knew what you did out there. I want to understand today that when you went to the cross, you did that to purchase the gift of salvation for me. And Lord, I want to turn from the sin, sinful road I've been on, and I want to turn to you, and I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. We have no record that Barabbas ever did that. Let me ask you this. Do you have a record of having done that? Do you have a record of at some place, at some point in your life that you saw and realized it? And you didn't just say, oh, thank you, Jesus, that's wonderful. But to where you said, oh, and you got it? That's what basically happened with me, right? And with some of you, I'm sure, I, 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 I got it. That's why he went to the cross. He went for me. He went because my religion ain't good enough. My goodness, my, my trying isn't good enough. My, my good outweighing my bad. He didn't go to the cross to, like, to put up more on the good side or something. No. He went to the cross because that's the only hope and help. Have you recognized that? And if you have recognized that, have you humbled your heart before Him? The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation couple verses I'll end with as we all stand and Barb comes to the piano. The Bible says in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know, I mentioned all this sin and stuff that we're guilty of and we are. But you know what? Ultimately, if you do not accept Christ, what you're going to answer for is simply this, not believing on him. It's not going to be, oh, you were so bad in this way and so bad in this way. No, ultimately, the real answer is, did you put your faith and trust in me? Did you believe on me? Did you put your faith in me? That's the answer. He that believeth on him. It doesn't say he that does this sin or that sin is condemned. He that believeth not is condemned. He that believeth on the Son of God hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That judgment stays on you. That condemnation stays on you and with you if you do not accept his pardon. John 5, 24, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus said, He that heareth my word. Let me tell you something. You heard his word today. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath right now everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 
Hey, if you pass from heaven, the Lord wants to give that to you today. He's taken your death. He wants to give you his life. So as Barb plays,